Once again, I'll invite you to take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, we'll begin what we started this morning. Covering the topic of the coming judgment from Amos chapter 8. We're going to read the entire chapter to put everything into context and kind of recap what we learned this morning and then pick up with the final part of chapter 8. As we'll look at our last two points of the severity of judgment and the silence of judgment. Beginning with verse number 1 in Amos chapter number 8. If you're able, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Amos chapter number 8 and verse number 1. And the word of God says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, The end is come upon my people Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to the make the poor of the land to fail, saying, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the sabbath that we may set forth wheat making the ephah small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes yea and sell the refuse of the wheat the lord has sworn by the excellency of jacob surely i will never forget any of their works Shall not the land tremble for this, and every one mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and baldness upon every head and I will make it as the morning of an only son and the end thereof as a bitter day behold the days come saith the Lord God that I will send a famine in the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord and they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it in that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. They that swear by the sin of Samaria, and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall, and never rise up again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you once again this evening, thanking you so much for your word. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, as we have gathered this evening to hear what your word has to say, I, be, I pray that you convict our hearts, Lord, that, that you speak to us tonight. Lord, give me the words you would have me to say. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to, to hear and receive your word, that it may be applied to our lives to make us better servants for you. Father, I pray, Lord, that... If something that is said or done would lead to the salvation of one that might be here or somebody that we know, maybe we'll be reminded and encouraged to share our faith and to share the gospel with some lost soul that we come into contact with. Father, I pray that you empower us for these things tonight. 
Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts. Lord God, I pray that your son, Jesus Christ, be lifted up. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Judgment is coming. That was the topic of this morning. That is the topic of tonight. We looked this morning and we saw that as Amos chapter 8 was beginning, it's he's finishing up everything that he had been saying in chapter 7. He has been uh, ridiculed and ostracized, told to go back to his home village at the end of chapter 7. And at the end of chapter 7, he stood before Amaziah and looked at uh, false priests, that guy that stood in place of uh, the, as the mouthpiece for the king and he told them that if you tell me not to prophesy he says I'm going to tell you what God is saying to you that your wife will be a harlot your sons and daughters will die he says and your land will be divided up and Israel will go into captivity and as we came to the beginning of chapter 8 God shows Am- uh, Amos a basket of summer fruit fruit that is ripe for the pickings And the imagery is that just as that fruit was ripe for the pickings, that Israel is ripe for judgment. They had let all their sins be piled up. And they had let all the long-suffering of God be done away with. And in God in His long-suffering and in His mercy, week after week, day after day, seeing them pile up sin upon sin upon sin, He finally says, I have had enough. And so he says in verse number 2, I will not pass by them anymore. Meaning I cannot just pass by. I cannot just walk by and see my people who I've called out of bondage, who I've called out of uh, enslavement, whom I've given a land flowing with milk and honey, who I've blessed beyond measures. I'm not going to be able to just walk on by as they live their, their lifestyles and sin and debauchery, there's something that has to be done. And so he says, I will judge them. As this fruit is ripe for pickings, they are ripe for judgment. And of course, we learned about the attitude that they had, uh, how that because they were the people of God, they would never expect God to do these things to them, to judge them. They thought God's long-suffering And mercy would always be there. But God tells them that on that day, your songs that you sing in the temple, those songs that you sing as as praises to me, He says those songs will quickly be turned to howlings, and there will be so many dead bodies, you'll be casting them out in dead silence because you will not want me to come back around. Then we looked at the sins of the judgment just as sure as that judgment was coming to them it is sure going to come to us someday or to the unrepentant world someday we looked a little bit at some sins that the people of Israel were committing they were taking the poor and they were oppressing them they were cheating them out of their goods what little bit they had they were taking from them And those people that weren't able to pay their debts, they were selling them into slavery for cheap. And so, unlike the people that James wrote to in James chapter 2, as they were just not giving people what they needed, they were taking 
what the people had. The people were ready to get the holy things out of the way. They were ready to get rid of the worship, to, to be done with the worship on the Sabbath and the new moons so that they could go out and defraud more people. And of course the attitude that people have today is we just want to get worship out of the way so we can do what we want to do. So we can go back to our idle lives, idolatrous lives where we worship the dollar, where we worship ourselves, where we worship our family, where we worship our hobbies. And what parts of their lives that were religious, just like the Pharisees of Jesus' day, they were drawing near with their mouths, but their heart was far from them, was far from God. So this evening, as we look this morning at the surety of judgment, judgment is coming. That's the message that we have to the world. You will stand in judgment of God if you don't repent of your sins. Because it's your sins, your unrepentant, sinful lives that will bring the judgment to come upon you. But as we think about that, we look and we come now this evening to verses 7 through 10 where we see the severity of this judgment in verse number 7 the, it says the Lord has sworn by the excellency of Jacob now what is the excellency of Jacob I believe this is reference strictly to what we have in chapter 6 and verse number 8 he's just you rephrasing it he says the Lord God has sworn by himself Remember, Jacob is another name for Israel. Jacob is another name for the people of Israel. And what more excellent does Jacob have? What is the most excellent thing that, that Israel has but God, as uh, the true God, as God? And so he is saying, once again, I am swearing by myself. There's nothing more excellent than what God can swear by. He is making a direct promise that judgment is coming. And so he says, the excellent, I'm swearing by the excellency of Jacob. He says, surely, this is what's scary. He says, surely I will never forget any of their works. You know, I've got a bad memory. You can ask Anna that. There's a lot of things that I can't remember. There, you might do something to me, and a week later, I will have forgotten all about it. Might not even be something big, or it might even be something big, and you might do something, and and, and we have that little little argument, and, and then I'll forget about it, and, and, and I'll carry on just as if nothing ever happened. Just go about my day. It don't bother me. It don't get to me. I don't remember it. There's a lot of people, I believe, going around that wish and hope that God will forget some of the things that they have done. But the fact of the matter is, our God never forgets. 
You know, they talk about elephants, how that, the, uh, you know, an elephant never forgets. You've heard that saying. Well, can I say this? God created the elephants, and so if an uh, elephant's memory's good, God's is way better. There's nothing that God will forget. Let me take that back. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 34. God says, your sins will I remember no more. But you know what he's talking about? He's talking about under the new covenant. When people come to God through faith in Jesus Christ. When people come to him and they say, Lord God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and save me. He says at that moment that you come to me for salvation, he says, I will forget every sin that you've ever committed. You will now be my child. You will have the righteousness of Christ put upon you. And I will forget everything that you've ever done against me. Your sins will be forgiven and your sins will be forgotten. But for the people that reject Christ, for the people that reject the salvation that he offers, the promise stands today as much as it does in Jake and Amos' day that he will never forget any of their works. Every wicked deed that an unrepentant sinner has ever done God is writing down. God has placed them in their books. And when they stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne of God, He will judge them, it says, according to their works. Just like we learned in Romans chapter 2. Each sin that they commit, each idle word, each sinful thought, each sinful deed is piling up wrath after upon wrath upon wrath upon wrath until finally God will pour out his fullness of his wrath upon those people. God never forgets. That's the severity of the judgment that is to come. He says in verse number 8, Shall not the land tremble for this, and everyone mourn that dwelleth therein? The, some people think that the word tremble is speaking of that earthquake. If you remember in chapter 1 of the book of Amos, it says that this was written two years before the earthquake. And it could very well be, but I believe that it's speaking more about the people of the land trembling at the thought of this judgment coming. Of course, really, it wouldn't be the thought of the judgment coming. It would be when the judgment comes that the whole land will tremble. That all the people will shake and tremble in their boots because they know that God is pouring out His wrath upon them. It says, And everyone will mourn that dwelleth therein. To mourn. And it says that it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. You know, every year... In Egypt, the Nile River, unexpectedly, several times a year, will flood the land that surrounds it. And just as quickly as that flood comes and annihilates everything in its path, 
That's how God's judgment will be. That is the severity of God's judgment. Where nothing will be able to stand on the day when God judges the world. God judged Israel in this day. Folks, it's going to be a lot worse in the day to come. On that great and dreadful day of the Lord. When God pours out His wrath and indignation upon a sinful, rebellious world. He says in verse number 9, It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in that day. This will be a day of darkness. Israel, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 13, verse number 9, describes the day of the Lord as darkness. Matthew 24, verse 29, says the day of the Lord will be dark. There will be no sun shining. No birds singing. Noon will be as midnight. Joy, it says, in verse number 10. He says, I will turn, look at what he says. And I will turn your feast into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. I will make it as the morning of an only son, and the end thereof as a bitter day. No escape. You won't be able to whistle Dixie and make yourself feel better on that day. He says your feasts, which feasts of the religious feasts, which should be days of celebration and rejoicing. He says, I will turn these to mourning. Your songs, your joyful, celebratory songs, will I turn into lamentations. Or another word would be a funeral dirge. He says, I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins. Sackcloth was a material that was made by, uh, if I remember my manners and customs correctly, it was uh, black wool, I believe is what it was. And what they would do is this black, this black wool would be very rough. And so what they would do is uh, the Jewish people were very visual. And so they had whatever was going on in their hearts, you could tell it because they literally wore it on their sleeve. That's the expression we use today. They wear their hearts on their sleeve. The Jewish people were like that. Whatever was going on, however they felt on the inside, they made it be known on the outside. So what they would do, a lot of times they would sit down and they would take off their clothes and they would put on this sackcloth. They would make it and it would rub up against their skin. It would just make them feel uh, just itchy and horrible, like uh, worse than uh, insulation when it gets on you. And that's how they would sit. They would, it was to let people know that there was something bad going on in their lives. And a lot of times also they would, they would shave their heads in mourning. Letting people know that things weren't good. So God is telling these people, He says, I will turn your feasts to mornings, your songs to lamentations. I'll bring sackcloth upon your loins. Baldness upon every head. And then he says in this, 
He says, and I will make it as the morning of an only son, and the end thereof as a bitter day. If you're here and you've ever lost a son, you know how that feels. The mourning that you go through. And if you have other sons and other daughters, other children, it's bad enough. But just think if it's your only son. The mourning that they'll go through, the terrible dread and the feelings that they'll have. And the end thereof as a bitter day. The day of the Lord will be swift. The day of the Lord will be one that is without rejoicing and celebration. In the book of Luke, chapter 13. Jesus tells us what this day will be like. In chapter 13, verse number 28. He says, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. No celebration on that day. These people are thinking that because they have some special, or in their mind, they have some relationship with God because of them being His earth, them being His earthly people. That surely that day won't fall upon them. But God says. It's because of the privileges that you've had with me that this day must come upon you for your unrepentant sin. We think that because we live in what's known as the Bible Belt, a lot of people think that because they go to church and they're quote-unquote religious, they went to church when they were younger, they've got Christian parents or Christian family members, And they think that because of that relationship with others that they won't stand on that day and stand before God and God judge them. They've got another thing coming. You see, James wrote and he says, faith without works is dead. You believe in God. Listen, we live in a Nation where everybody believes in God. They'll even say that they're Christian, but they don't ever go to church. They don't ever open their Bible. They don't ever pray until times get hard. They will stand before God and give an account. And he'll say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. The severity of that judgment. They'll be cast into a devil's hell 
weeping and wailing and gnashing of the teeth where the wrath of God is poured out upon them for all eternity. That's the severity of this judgment that's to come. But then also, we look and we see the silence that is in this judgment. He says in verse number 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. People knew about famines. Famines were common occurrences back in these days. And so he says, I will send a famine in the land. He says, but not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall their fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. Malachi was the last book of the Old Testament written. And from the time of Malachi until the time John the Baptist comes onto the scene, there was 400 years of silence in the land of Israel. 400 years of not having a revelation from God. The people had ignored the word of God. And so what God did is he gave them what they wanted. Could you imagine not having the word of God? Warren Wiersbe says this. In times of crisis... People turn to the Lord for some word of guidance or encouragement. But for Israel, no word would come. That means no light and darkness, no nourishment for the soul, no direction for making decisions, no protection from the lies of the enemy. You see, our problem today is not that we're not hearing from God. We've got Bibles in libraries, we've got Bibles in Walmart. We've got Bibles on sale at Lifeway. There's hardly, you can go to the dollar store and buy a Bible. There's Bibles everywhere. And if you want to hear a word from God, go to the Bible. It's not so much that we're fed, that we don't have a word from God because we, we have a word from God right here. You see what the problem with the Christians in America is, or professing Christians in America? You know what the problem with just America is in general? We have the Word of God, but just like in Amos' day, we don't want to hear it. Or we don't have time for it. It says in verse 12, they'll wander from sea to sea, seeking the word of God. Some commentaries compare this to a, a drunkard staggering around, trying to find his next taste of alcohol. 
People are staggering around, wandering from, from here to there, trying to find a, a fresh taste of God's Word. But they don't find it. And what price is there? They're not finding the word from God. It says in that day, verse 13, shall the fair virgins and the young men. This describes the youngest and most vigorous of the people. It says in that day, the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. They're fainting because they are not receiving anything from God. In this day, just think. If the youngest and most vigorous of the people are fainting from not hearing God's word. Just think about the the older people. The weaker people. And what the toll of not hearing a word from God is doing to them. In this passage, I'm reminded of what Jesus Christ says when he faced temptation in the wilderness. And the devil comes to him and he says, you've been out here for 40 days. You're starving. Turn these stones to bread and just eat them. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We just don't understand the gravity and the spiritual need that we have for the Word of God. And this is true for those that have turned from the truth to lies. Verse 14. They that swear by the sin of Samaria and say thy God O Dan liveth and the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up. The sin of Samaria was worshipping a golden calf. You can read about that in Hosea chapter 8 verse 5. The sin of Dan. Thy God O Dan liveth. That speaks of a bull. 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 29. A bull god that they were worshiping. And the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up again. This was swearing oaths to idols. And it's true today. Just as true as it was for them. It's true for those that turn from the truth to lies. Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes to Timothy, this is perhaps Paul's last letter as it's believed. As he stands uh, in prison in Rome, he writes this letter to his faithful son who was stationed in Ephesus to pastor that church. And he writes to him, and he says to him in verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God 
and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He says, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And look at this, verse number three. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid it for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Now you know what's so interesting about this verse, about this passage of Scripture, is that when he writes to Timothy, and he says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. He's not talking about the people outside of the walls of the church. He's not talking to the people that are out living on the street selling drugs and, and prostitutes and all these other things. He's not talking about the murderers inside the prison. He's talking to the people that come Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. He says those religious people will settle, will settle for lies rather than the truth. And so he says to Timothy, he says if they settle for lies rather than the truth, he says that's on them. But you, young Timothy, are to preach the word of God. He'll let the chips fall where they may. So for us today, we have the Word of God. If God wants to shut up our mouths and say, we're going to silence the Word of God, He'll do it. But until that day comes, until God silences me, until God silences His church, we have got a duty to preach and proclaim the everlasting gospel. The only gospel that leads to the salvation of souls. In Amos' day, he has been faithful to preach the word of God. But he is declaring that one day God will shut up the preaching of the word. So when you're looking for encouragement from God, when you're looking for guidance from God, you won't find it. God's voice will be silenced. Why? Because they put off the hearing of the Word of God for far too long. He gives them what they wanted, and He gives them what they deserve. The most severe thing that could happen when this judgment falls is that silence from God. See, God is still speaking now. He stopped speaking for a while. When people were wondering, and they were in judgment, what do we do? How do we get out of this? There had always been prophets raised up 
to say repent, repent, repent. For 400 years, there was nothing but complete and utter silence. Today, people are looking for a way out. They fall into sin. God judges them here for their sin. They say, how can I escape the judgment to come? And we as a church have the message. Repent. 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 And that's the message. That we we should be willing to go to death with. That this world needs Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. And he is our only way of salvation. Let us be faithful to stand and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ while we still can. Let's stand to our feet for our final hymn. Pray with me. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I hope you'll join us again next time with Rick Clark Ministries.